Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers on all Premier League fixtures. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall football for the next few weeks, with games being played nearly every day. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to UIN's the West Ham United podcast from the good people at The Athletic. I am Sam Delaney. I'm joined as always by The Athletic's very own West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. Hello, Rashane. Hi, Sam. And we also have a special guest uh, this week from the Stop Hammer Time West Ham podcast, Mr. Phil Whelans. Hello, Phil. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, So, the last time uh, we did an episode, it was actually last week, just prior to the Chelsea game. It seems like a lifetime ago because the games come so thick and fast. At that stage, we had we played two, lost two. Uh, the performances have been dire. And, you know, we, we were certain that we were going one way and that was down. Since then, oh, the roller coaster ride they've taken us on in just seven days. It's like a microcosm of a whole lifetime supporting West Ham. You know, a glorious victory against London rivals with a spectacular last-minute winner, a hard-fought, unfortunate draw, and then a disappointing defeat at home to Burnley. I mean, you know, there's nothing more West Ham than that sequence of results, is there, Phil Whelan? No, absolutely not. No, it was uh, we uh, we were in a position where last night's game we thought, well, you know, if we win this, and that there was a strong feeling when we win this, uh, we'll we'll pull clear of uh, the danger zone. There'll be a bit of daylight, and we'll be able to sort of go into these last games, uh, able to play our brand of football. And of course, what we did was just balls that up, and uh, uh, and now we're sort of putting pressure on ourselves. For so Saturday's game is now very important, and it's the fact that it's we can win it. It, it turns it into a kind of must-win in the sort of wrong way. Uh, it's winnable, and that puts more pressure on us. I'm um, insisting on staying positive uh, on the basis that I thought we actually played well last night. I thought we were quite unlucky. We had a fantastic goalkeeper. When the opposition's goalkeeper's man of the match, you can't be too down on your own side's performance. And I think Pope was definitely man of the match. I also think you're right. It is true that if we beat Norwich, then we can probably all start to breathe a sigh of relief. But if we don't beat Norwich, we don't beat Norwich, we still have games. And that's a luxury, that's a luxury that the other teams, that you know, the other teams, uh, particularly what, you know, Aston Villa, certainly Bournemouth, don't have that luxury that we've got. Yeah, I think last night's game was, um, uh, you know, under any other set of circumstances, was exactly one of those games that you would just chalk off and go, mm. ah, you know, we'll just go again. It was, um, you know, we we were all over them for huge portions of the game and their goal sort of came against the run of play and was sort of slightly, you know, it was a, sort of a good goal, actually a little bit too good. That finish from, that the, the headed finish from the Burnley player was like, 
you know, just there was a bit of luck in there, you know, hitting the underside of the bar coming down. The cross was like strangely early for that goal, although Vidra was 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 indicating, you know, with his arm, hit it early, hit it into the box and we'll attack it because big blokes up front, that's how they play. Right now, we're offering listeners a 30-day free trial with The Athletic for a limited time only. Go to theathletic.com slash Pod to sign up and try our great content up until the end of the season. There are some great West Ham articles on the site right now, including the inside take on the current state of the club's academy and the latest on the future of Mikel Antonio, who's only got a year left on his current deal. You'll also have access to some of the best football writers in the business, such as Daniel Taylor, Oliver Kay, and Amy Lawrence. And you can access our whole network of podcasts ad-free. So go to theathletic.com slash West Ham pod to try us out. Rashane, you were at the stadium last night, weren't you? And have been for the last couple of games as well. What? <laughs> yep, I'll have the golden ticket. How, what the... How, stop, stop. Mm-hmm. Rashane, I'm coming next time. I'm coming <laughs> with you. Can I hold your can I hold your coat? Yeah, I can stick you into my my bag. You could Good. sit you could sit on Phil's shoulders underneath the large <laughs> overcoat. Pretend to be a, mm. a really tall man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um first of all, I haven't really asked you about that. I know you were at um the couple of games before that for Wolves and Chelsea. Uh what's it like? What's the experience like of sitting there? I mean, it's a bloody strange experience at the best of times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it's definitely a unique experience. I definitely put it that. I mean, obviously you can hear what the players are saying. You know, you notice who who's more vocal and who's more quiet. Over the last few matches, Obana, uh been very vocal. I've sort of, you know, grown to appreciate Declan Rice's leadership in, a, in the past couple of games. And mm. there was a great example yesterday where it's a Diop. He gave, he gave like, headed the ball out for a corner kick, but he had he had time to like make an extra touch and play a pass and Declan Rice got so frustrated that to say like what are you doing like you had you had time so stuff wow. like that I've seen I've I've, not, I've observed more and yeah so that's definitely been the biggest takeaway from these past couple of games that's amazing that is amazing to hear so is it quite how, does it make you just view the experience of being a player differently because when your own teammates are giving you that level of criticism during the game um must be pretty stressful, right? It sort of gives you an idea of like players who they can sort of cope well under any circumstances, whether it's with fans, without any fans. And we've mm. seen that recently, obviously with Declan. And as I mentioned, you know, it's a deal making that mistake. But it's not just him. Other players have sort of like fried with, not, with there not being any so, like any pressure from fans. So that's yeah. definitely been something else I've observed. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is, uh, I, you know, I have to say that the performances last night... I was pretty much okay with. We know we've got flaws in defence and those were exposed by, you know, that cross. Uh, obviously, Cresswell, he's not the biggest lad in the world. It was a bit of a mismatch, but, you know, it, it was a lamb to the slaughter when that cross came in um, for Cresswell yeah. to be the, the man who was sort of responsible for, for clearing it. He obviously failed there. Other than that, I thought it was a good performance. We created so many chances. Now, I've seen on on Facebook and Twitter since the the game ended, and I I was extremely frustrated. But probably because I felt that we'd done enough, you know, I th- or we hadn't done enough. But what I felt was we played very well, and so it was really frustrating to come away from the game with nothing at all. But people are really piling into Moyes and the players again, 
And I yeah. just think it's so weird. The three, you know, I think we've played very well in all three of our last games. For a team in a relegation battle, the players are playing with energy, with commitment. You can't fault the effort. And you also can't uh, fault, I don't think, the tactics in all three games of David Moyes because they've been positive. The criticism after the Spurs and Moyes game was that he didn't look like he had a plan to score. I feel that we've been on the front foot in all three of these games, Phil. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, I think people just, you know, both times Moyes came in, and, and I'm not by any means a kind of, you know, I don't think he's like the greatest manager in the world, but but both times he's come in, people seem to forget instantly the team that he inherited, which was often a mm. kind of really dysfunctional yeah. uh, bunch of mismatched footballers from a kind of, you know, historic transfer policy that means a we've got about... Work. It's a yeah. patchwork, isn't it? Yeah, ten people in one position and like one person in another position. You yeah. know, and it's like, and and um, uh, and I sort of think he's done okay both times. He's mm. he's definitely made changes that you can appreciably see from your position in the stadium. You can absolutely see what he's trying to do. He is conservative, and I think I think something we think as fans is that that managers will just. Um, institute a change that we've sort of seen from the stands uh, because we think it's a good idea. They have to sort of see things work for themselves. You know, mm -hmm. I think they they have to try something one game and think, yeah, yeah, that sort of worked quite well. I, I, I might change to that the next game. They, they they make changes cautiously. You know, we, we saw that both times when Moyes came, but when he came after Billich, that away game at Watford, he just had to put 11 players out on the pitch because he didn't know them and hadn't had anything explained yeah. to him. And people kind of go, oh, they could watch DVDs. Well, it takes 90 minutes to watch a, a football match. It takes 90 <laughs> yeah. He hasn't got, you know... you got loads it, of other shit on. Yeah, All yeah, the admin. yeah. You've got to sort out Alan Irving's contract situation, which yeah, probably yeah. takes up a bit of time. Yeah, you've got to find where your parking space is in this yeah. new football club that you've arrived at. You've got short, yeah. sort, you know, somewhere to live. So, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree. I thought that the it was like people were watching a different game. People were absolutely, you know, this this whole game was a pile of crap. We are the worst <laughs> football team I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, you heard Ryan Frederick, he's not even a footballer. He's the worst footballer I've ever seen. He's like, do you never go to football? That's become a fashionable thing to say about Fredericks. And actually, you know, at times I've sort of not despaired of Fredericks because he, he is what he is. I wouldn't say he's, I wouldn't say that he's a player you can criticise for not putting effort in. He's not Felipe Anderson. You no, know, no. He's not a player you think, oh, he's got it, but he can't be asked. He's a player who makes the best of what he's got. And actually, last night, his pace gets us out of trouble um, from time to time. It certainly did uh, last night uh, on at least one occasion where he kind of, it looked like they were through. And his, his pace is so alarming that he got through and stopped it. Also, he did very well, made some very positive runs and got some decent crosses in. In actual fact, down the right side, uh, Bowen, who I think recorded, Rashane, you'll know this, you're the stat man. He recorded the <laughs> fastest, fastest, uh, time of any player in the, in the Premier League at the weekend, I think, against yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. So, his so you, you, so you've got, you've got his speed combined with Frederick's speed. Frederick's has got to be in the top two or three fastest players in the Premier League. You know, he's a hundred meter sprinter. You think, bloody hell, that is a huge threat down anyone's left side, isn't it? Down our right side. 
Um, you, you don't fancy coming up against those two, whatever team you are, if you're City or Liverpool or anyone, you know, if, if those players, those two players going forward are a massive handful with their pace. Yes, yeah, all this stuff about our fullbacks. I feel awful for Cresswell. He's a player who gets slated a lot, right? And again, he is not a player, you know, there was a time where I thought he was worthy of, of being an, an England sort of squad player. No, you know, those days are gone. He, he got into a, the he, setup, didn't he? He got into he the did. England setup. He was hammer of the year for us. He did, yeah. And and now I would say he's he's past his absolute best, but he is still an accomplished Premier League left back, you know. And it's yeah, I I'm glad that, that, that you you see it the same way because I just think the fan base. I don't. Uh, <laughs> all right, go on, give it to us, Rashad. All right, all right. Yesterday, Fredericks had a decent game, but I mean, there was one case where West Ham were on the break. And I think Declan Rice prayed out to Fredericks and he had a terrible first touch and he went out for a throw-in. And quite a few times yesterday, I mean, his first touch was a bit all over the place. And to be honest, right, I, I can get why fans are annoyed about the players because for me, one of the biggest takeaways is that West Ham keeps going through big chances. Since the season resumed against Wolves, even that match, in fact, four nights had a great chance and he, and he like, blazed it over the bar. In the game against Tottenham, uh, Bowen hit the post. Four Niles again had a great chance. Noble had a great chance to score. Obviously, we beat Chelsea, but again, in the amount of matters as well, loads of great opportunities. And it's like the team keep missing great chances. And what, like, you can't keep scoring in so many chances when we're down there, like, trying to like, win games, if you know what I mean. No, I think that's I think that's a good point. But but I mean, the problem is a lot of those players, that's just how good they are. You know, Antonio, we're playing as a kind of target man a lot of the time. And he just isn't that. He's a kind of, he's an unpredictable sort of guy that should come in from the flanks rather than a target man. His shot is not, you know, sometimes when he doesn't have time to think about it, Antonio has a terrific shot. But if he's got more than a few seconds, and we saw that twice last night, there was one that uh, went wide and one that I went, think went straight at the keeper. But, uh, you know, if it was Aguero, those would probably go in. Uh, but it's not, it's Antonio. Yeah, uh, and, and we're also saying we are creating chances. And against Wolves and Spurs, a lot of the criticism, although you pointed out that we did miss some chances, was that we didn't have... Uh, a, I mean, God, there are teams that I've seen go down at West Ham and at other clubs. You just you can't see how they're ever going to score because they just don't have any creati creativity. They've got, you know, a, a workman-like side who at best can stop the opposition but just don't have any ideas beyond set pieces to score goals. This is a, a team who, obviously, when you get opportunities like the one Fournals had against, I think it was Wolves. Fournals had a couple, to be fair. There are, because of the situation we're in, obviously in that split second, there probably is a little bit more pressure that can make all the difference because the stakes are so high. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's anything to do with effort. I think you're right about Fredericks' first touch. He is not the best footballer but he is not the, the, as bad as people are giving him grief for because there are positives in his game. You know, his touch is not great. His distribution is not perfect. But there are positives in his game that make, that mean that he is not nearly as bad as, as people want to say. I don't... Did you think anyone had a stinker last night? Because I thought, you know, against Wolves and Spurs, there was a couple of bad performances where players just weren't showing up. But I didn't think that was the case last night, Rashane. No, the only person perhaps who... Could have played a bit better, maybe Cresswell. That's the only player I thought mm, he could have could have had a better performance with only him. And I mean, it's also an only slightly different topic, but it's also a concern that we haven't kept a clean sheet since New Year's Day. 
I mean, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, days a long time ago. And you need know, to start keeping clean sheets. And another thing for me, right, which is probably the biggest concern of all, every time West Ham get a bit of momentum, they fail to build on from it. So obviously the win against Chelsea, obviously drew against Newcastle the following game. Again, didn't build on it. The win against Chelsea uh, in November, great win, but didn't build on from it. The win against Man United, great win. And then lost the next game against Oxford United and obviously Fabianski got injured in the game against Bournemouth. But every time we get a bit of like, okay, now's the time where we can, you know, kickstart the season, push towards getting high, high up the league. Just can't build on from it. It's a mentality issue, which which David Moyes has touched upon. You know, there, there is a mentality issue in this club. And to be fair, there has been for years, you know, um, that we don't have the kind of ruthlessness or maybe the self-belief. And maybe that's why... We do need to give Moyes a run, no matter what happens at the end of this season. We need to give someone who, uh, you know, who, who's got experience and has got a bit of grit to just change the culture of the club. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, um, you know, we, we, we are often extremely uh, inconsistent. And then we match that inconsistency by throwing everything up in the air and changing the manager. So you kind of compound the inconsistency by just going, oh, let's scrap it all and start again. Come on. Yeah, let's just, you know, and, um, uh, you know, that's, that's what happens. And in the last kind of 15, 20 years, we, we'll have, you know, season 2001 to 2002, we finished seventh. And then the next season, we were relegated with almost the same team, you know, that inconsistency. And then we changed the manager, you know, so we have to start again in, in a lower league, come back up, you know, and um, similarly, you know, Billich, we had a great finish 2015-16, uh, uh, finished ninth. And then the next season, it fell to pieces to the extent that one season later, we've got another manager. And, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. I th- I, Talk, I th- talking of Billich, I think I said this on, on your podcast the other day, Phil, you know, that if you were looking around now and thinking, who could we replace uh, Moyes with? If there wasn't, if it wasn't for the fact that Billich had already been fired by West Ham mm, not that mm. long ago, you'd be looking around thinking, well, it'd be good to get someone promising who's done well in the Championship, who was sort of youngish and hungry. Oh, look, Slavin Bilic, he used to play for West Ham. Yeah, he was a yeah. club legend. His assistant's yeah. Julian Dix. Bloody hell, he's the perfect man for West Ham, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. That's, that's not going to happen. I mean, no. what, do you, what do you think, Rashane? Should we stick with Moyes? And also, will we? You you know, you've got the inside track. What What's the vibe behind the scenes? I, I personally think the board should stick with Moyes. I mean, it won't do West Ham any good to get rid of Moyes and appoint someone else and like, try and get to the next level, which was the original case on the Pellegrini and look how that turned out. Mm. For me, what, what I've been most, obviously, hasn't necessarily worked out well in terms of consistency on the field on the Moyes, but what's impressed me with Moyes is like, if given the time, he's saying, you know, I will do one transfer market. I'll bring in young players who are hungry, like Bowen and Suchek, who have resale value, who's going to, you know, do well for the club. We're not going to bring in players who are here for one last payday and who don't really care about, you know, the the club and what it means to fans. That's what's really impressed me about Moyes since he returned to the helm. And I feel like if he's given a chance, he could perhaps guide West Ham to a top top 10 finish. And I just feel like the board need to give him a chance. Yeah, I think so. I think there's this, you know, there's this perception of Moyes that he's in the same bracket as Pulis and Allardyce. But I mean, 
you know, I remember that Everton team. It's not like I was sort of born in the last nine years. We all saw that Everton team, which was a mixture of kind of pragmatic players, but also you had Art- Arteta played for Everton and he played for Moyes' Everton. He didn't play for anyone else's fucking Everton. He played for Moyes' Everton. Tim Cahill was a really talented footballer. You know, Osman was was very much like Mark Noble, was very talented, but also hardworking. we had... We have the new Fellaini in Thomas Suchek. We do, yeah. It's almost like yeah. a regeneration of Fellaini. Yeah. So that that's the start of things there. I mean, you know, bloody hell. The, the, the team, if you look at the two players, probably our best two players since the restart, you could, I mean, obviously Rice has been great as well, but, but Suchek and, and Bowen are the ones who've made the difference. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that last time he came to manage, which was for, uh, I think, a smaller number of games, the player he bought in in the transfer window was uh, João Mario, mm. who was like an attacking midfielder. It's not like he kind of went, oh, I'm Sam Allardyce. I'm going to come in. I'm going to I'm going to get Papa Booba Diop, the yeah. biggest footballer in the world, to just stand in front of the goal to yeah. stop us being relegated. I'm going to buy an attacking midfielder who can partner Arnautovic. And, the the uh, other key know. thing, though, talking of Arnautovic, that he did in his first go in charge was, you know, let's, let's remember that there's been so many changes in such a short amount of time. But the story is, is that, We'd bought an out of it. I think he became our most expensive player for the time when we got him yes. from Stoke. He had played out on the wing. And I remember thinking at the time, or saying at the time after the, his first eight or nine games, this is one of the worst signings West Ham have ever made. Mm. He's useless. He's temperamental. He got sent off in his second game against Southampton, right? Yeah. For, for no reason whatsoever. He is, you know, it, this is a disastrous signing. It was Moyes who came in and after two games of looking at him, said, right, you're playing up front, right? He yeah. hadn't played up front much for Stoke and he'd never played up front for us. He became our best player in half a season. He was voted mm. player of the season just between Christmas and the end of the season. He scored the goals that made us safe, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was fantastic. I mean, he was being linked at that stage to Champions League sides. Yeah, we yeah. got rid of Moyes, Pellegrini came in and actually Anoltovich quite quickly took some backward steps and now he's out in China, right? I know he had his personal problems. That was converting that player into what I believe for, for about six months was one of the top centre forwards in the Premier League. That was 100% what David Moyes did. Yeah. And between Moyes' two spells, the one he's in now and his previous one, we bought two 40 million plus footballers that are rubbish (laughs) (laughs) you know we bought we've spent over 40 million pounds twice on two guys that now don't make the starting lineup that's like that's inconceivable I mean, I don't know. I, know, I mean, I know. you know, I, I'm, I'm not really one to go, uh, oh, typical Western, we keep doing this sort of thing. But it is quite an extraordinary thing that we have managed to do is buy two, one record signing and then a signing that costs more than that record yeah, signing. Yeah, broke and our both of record. Them, and both of them actually can't make the starting lineup. I don't think any other football club would, would do that, a 45 million pound. I'll go on better. Since the summer of 2018, West Ham have spent 130 million on attacking players. 130 million on attacking players. We haven't had a player who's scored more than 15 goals in a season since bloody John Hartson, I don't think. No, that's right. And I mean, that sort of... 
that's kind of what you spend 45 million quid on, isn't it? Is a player that's going to sort of come on and take the game by the scruff of the neck, you know. Uh, For 45 surely... million, you don't want to hear, oh, it takes them a season or two to settle in. <laughs> but for 45 million, what you are buying, what the manager has to sort of more or less guarantee the board when they hand over the money, is that this player is going to come in and he is going to deliver the goals straight away, right? Not like West Ham are not a club. I don't even think Man City are the sort of club who can afford to say, yeah, we'll spend 45 million and then just see how it goes. Hopefully it'll yeah, work yeah. out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. for fuck's sake. I mean, you know, the, 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 Jean Mario just came in and just uh, sort of hit the ground running. You and did. these two, absolutely. Suchek's first game for us, which I think might have been the Bournemouth, he mm. was like getting on the end of everything. He's a defensive mm. midfielder that is desperate to score goals as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he... Um, so, could have know, got, I mean, should have scored last night, or could have scored if not yeah. for a, a really great. Um, it's a really great save from Pope because although it was sort of quite close to him, the speed at which he had to move his body to get yeah. behind it, and quite it was blank. a fantastic scissors kick and a big gangly guy. This guy, if we stay up and we keep him, I can see him being a fantastic Premier League midfielder for for some years to come. Yeah, definitely. He, he is he is complete. Really, he can pass. But he gets around the pitch, he stops things. And we saw with that last night, that was an extra thing. We'd seen the, the great headers against Chelsea, the 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 brilliant way he finished, he had a, a difficult finish against Newcastle and the ball coming at him quickly in the area. And then last night we saw another string to his bow with a really acrobatic volley. I haven't seen one yeah. of those since the days of Andy Carroll. He used to no, pull one right. of those out once in a while, didn't he? Yeah, 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 scissor kick. No, so, I mean, he's terrific. I mean, he, he sort of reminds me in a way of, of a player that, that was fantastic for us, but slightly underappreciated, was Steve Lomas. Lomas mm. could do everything. He could pass, trap, he could run with the ball, but he had this fantastic engine, you know, mm. this kind of wiry uh, physique that meant he just kept going all the time. He's like a Duracell bunny, you know? Yeah. And uh, Suchek's got that about him. He gets about the pitch for the whole 90 minutes, you know, so runs himself into the ground, but also has skill, has touches, can pick a pass, you know, yeah. What I think about this team now is, I think we'll stay up. I think obviously we're going to make it difficult for ourselves. We're West Ham, but we will by hook or by crook stay up. We've just got, we've got a cushion now that it would take quite a lot to throw, throw it all away, right? It, really what it would take is the Aston Villa and Bournemouth to pull out some, you know, some some very unexpected performances between now and the end of the season. Uh, I think, though, that there's there's a huge amount of, of positivity if you look ahead. If we do keep hold of Moyes, you look at the core of a team there and you think we've got a good young spine of a team because we have Diop is a very promising centre-back who is not the finished product but clearly has uh, all, everything there, just needs refining. And is young and will probably continue to to improve in the coming years. The, a midfield of Rice, Suchek and Fornells, to me, is like, I'm happy with that. I don't think it would need midfield. Central midfield has been a problem for West Ham from, for quite a few years now. But I think that, if we kept hold of them all, is, is a perfectly balanced midfield with all young players who are all going to improve with each season. And then... We have Bowen as well, um, who's come into the team and could be a mainstay. I could see Bowen, if he continues his, his performances and rate of improvement and we have a better season, being someone who gets into the England squad. That is a great young spine of a team. 
And I would love to see Moyes stay and give and be given the opportunity, even if they feel that they've overspent in recent years, which they have. I'd give them the opportunity to sell off some of the dead wood and get some decent money in for the likes of Anderson, Haller, Lanzini, and reinvest that money in young, hungry championship players and continue to build build this young, pacey, energetic team. Um, that would, to me, with Shane, seem like the logical thing to do. But, you know, that means it's probably the opposite of what David Sullivan will decide <laughs> to do. Yeah, well, like what we touched on earlier, it would be great. I mean, just touching on Suchek briefly. No one really knew about Suchek prior to him joining uh, West Ham. Obviously, he had a few games in Champions League. But again, Moyes spotting a hidden gem, so to speak, and being like, yeah, that guy could, could work for me. He could was be, that, like, Mo- that Moyes' signing? Because I know he wasn't convinced by the Bowen signing. I think you mentioned that before. Um, he wasn't sure whether that was a position we needed to strengthen. But was Suchek a Moyes player? Yeah, because he spoke like he's been doing a lot of scouting and one of the players he identified that would be good for West Ham. And obviously, the obvious comparison is Fellaini. Similar height, both great in the air, both have great running stats. So definitely a player he would have identified and thought like, yeah, player we need to bring in. And obviously, it only got to show the impact they've had that if he's given the opportunity, you know, there won't be so much dead wood arriving at the club. There'll be players who can have an impact. He won't take like two years to settle before they start showing some signs of progress. So again, and very quickly, um, what's also like been great is Moyes giving young players a chance. So Jeremy and Gekia, obviously, a bit frustrating that he left. But I mean, Pellegrini was giving young players a chance. Nathan Holland was doing very well for the youth team. And it was only until Pellegrini was like, it was fair for his job that he gave him a chance. So even stuff like that is great to see Moyes doing as well. Yeah. Uh, also, a player I missed out from our bright future is graded Deanne Garner, who obviously has been doing great. He scored again yesterday. That's two games in a row for West Brom. Uh, I don't know what the chances are, are of us bringing him back next season. Unfortunately, he does play the same position, more or less, as as Bowen. But it would be great to have him around the squad as well. And then, you know, you just see this is a, um, you know, Holland. Holland's still on loan at Oxford, isn't he? He's not owned by Oxford. Oh, he's back. He's back. So he's back. Okay, so yeah. great. So, you know, so we've got these and we've got Johnson too. I think it would be... And, and Josh you know, Cullen. The, and Josh Cullen at Charlton, who is loved by the Charlton fans, isn't he? Even when lockdown started, we were sort of saying, or it was being said, that when we come back from lockdown and everyone's fit, we've actually got quite a lot of depth in the squad. I already think we don't. We have like a paper-thin squad. And like, you know, um, one thing that is a, is a worry with this sort of compactness of this bunch of games in the closing part of the season is um is uh you know players just kind of being run into the ground because obviously you know the things didn't go our way last night so saturday is very important and there's it's very difficult for him to really freshen up the the, the starting lineup lineup you know you could start lanzini instead of fornals you could um take somebody off and put Noble on to give them a rest. But on the whole, the first 11, I think, picks itself now. Mind you, I, I was surprised that he didn't bring Lanzini on. I'm not Lanzini's biggest fan, but when we were struggling to find a way through late in the game, Rashane, uh, I, I was surprised that he didn't bring him on it and he decided to bring on a jetty who he'd only recently admitted that he'd never really seen play. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I'm, I'm I'm actually not surprised he didn't bring on Lanzini. <laughs> Lanzini what, you think been... he's, do you think he's sick of him? 
Uh, I don't think he's sick of him, but I'm always just showing a lot of faith for Lanzini. He hasn't like returned the faith. Today. He hasn't scored, mm. hasn't provided mm. any assists. So you got to look at other options. I mean, Lanzini, Ajeti came on and oh, there was one chance, right, where he had like a header, like I think 20 yards from goal. You're thinking, oh my goodness, like what? Come on, mm. come on, Ajeti. You got to do better <laughs> than that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, but I want to say, I feel like, I feel like we're starting to miss Snoddy a little bit. Robert Snoddy, yeah. that is. Mm. Like we're starting mm. to miss, you know, his delivery into the box. Yeah. The impact he would have had from the bench. So that's also been noticeable. The last he couple pops games. up with a goal. He's the sort of lad you want in there in a battle as well, because he's a leader, isn't he? He, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he seems to be the sort of bloke who motivates players around him. Um, but also, yeah, he can pop up with a goal and assist. He, he, he very often does. So, is there any chance we're going to see him before the end of the season, Shane? Well, the early like uh, reports sense to suggest that it could be out for the rest of the season, which is a great shame. Right. It's right. a great shame because right. right. yeah. I mean, a lot of lot of fans think he well, obviously Declan Rice and Obana have been different level of season, but a lot of fans feel like he's in a shout of being Ham of the Year because he's been great for us. Yeah, time. yeah, and and uh, just a couple of last questions. Firstly, do you think he he might have brought on Haller a bit earlier? I think he came on on sixty relatively early, but it was clear that. You know, we needed something to to help finish off those chances. Do you think his substitutions were right? I actually think, yeah, I actually think he um, he got them right. He's brought on two strikers, Najetti and and Ale, uh, and obviously we, we all know Moyes hasn't um, been the biggest fan of the new uh, subs rule. But I mean, he got it right. He just could have, um, but you have to look at it. We're probably going to make a few changes for Norwich. So perhaps you're looking to get uh, Ale a match for it. I mean, is that something you'll perhaps agree with as well, Phil? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, th- I think we, um, you know, it's it's it is now a must win on Saturday, and I, 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 um, I, it's difficult to know how he'll approach it. I mean, as I say, it is like the first eleven sort of picks itself, but but a front three, you know, that the 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 team that that, that had our sort of courageous defeats against Arsenal and Liverpool uh, last last season, part of what made it suddenly looked more effective was that we went slightly balls out on attack and had a kind of front three of Allaire, Antonio and Bowen with Fornells behind them. And part of the reason for that was Suchek's injury. And we went back to uh, a system that wasn't like that for Wolves and Spurs, played really badly. Then Noble got injured. So we just played two um, sort of, you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, but defensive midfielders and went back to having kind of four guys in front of them who are all kind of attack minded. Uh, and um, so I, I think possibly starting kind of Antonio Allaire uh, and Bowen up front with Fornals behind or, you know, uh, you know, Fornals is young. He should be able to play three games in a week. I think, you know, Yarmolenko is the most likely team against Norwich, surely, what started last night. But you bring Haller in for Yarmolenko, shuffle things around, you know. Um, Yarmolenko is clearly best as an impact sub in, the, in, in any case. Uh, just, just lastly, go on, Phil. I think he's. I really like Yarmolenko. He he barely sort of makes a mistake. He's a very good sort of baller, but he he's a really big guy and he's not terribly mobile. You know, he's not. No. Um, he's quick of thought, but sometimes it takes him a little while to dig the ball out from under his feet. And you know, he's not a fast sprinter. I think Alaire is possibly a little bit more mobile than him, but he is a fantastic. Um, he's a good footballer, Yarmolenko, and. It's good for him to feature at least part of a game. He's got guile as well. 
of course, when we played Norwich last, uh, it's really hard to compute the fact that that was this season when we beat Norwich and Hilaire scored twice, I think. I mean, I was on holiday in France watching that in the blazing heat in my hotel room on a laptop. And when I think that that was this season, it just, just um, yeah, it bewilders me. But he did score twice. And at that point, we thought we had made the signing we all hoped he'd be. Um, uh, hopefully that that bodes well for him starting the game on Saturday. Just just lastly, Shane, I know you wrote a piece this week about Antonio's contract situation. I would say he's been one of the heroes, particularly since the restart. You know, a, a fantastic player over the last five years, West Ham. What are the chances we're going to keep him at the club next year? Well, the first thing is he wants to stay. Loves the club. Settled in the area. Him and his family are settled in the area. And, I mean, he he, he, he believes he could retire at West Ham. You know, that's how much he loves it. And, you know, we understand that West Ham have the option to extend his contract by one year next summer. Obviously expires next summer, but we have the option to... Uh, Extended so effectively two years, he could uh, stay at the club for one. Yeah, as you mentioned, he's been great. He's been great this season. We, we would all love it if Antonio was more clinical in front of goal, but we can't fault his work rate. Every match without fur, Antonio will work his socks off. After the match yesterday, Antonio was like on the ground, just tired, <laughs> just like, flat on the ground, just knackered. And I mean, yeah, you, you just can't fault the, the effort he puts in. I think he's a great leader. Oh, you know, if, if, if you had, you know, Noble and, and uh, Rice out, I'd, I'd give him the armband. Um, but, you know, I think he, he he's someone who could deputise as captain because I think his attitude is a sort of inspiration to others around him. It's funny, when he first came, uh, I remember quite distinctly, he had a slight kind of problem with energy levels and, and fitness if he played kind of two games in a week. I remember we went away to uh, Norwich, I think, and we'd played Liverpool in the week and he'd had he'd worked really hard in that game. And he was absolutely knackered in this Norwich game, almost from kickoff. Uh, and that seems to have gone. Maybe I think he was possibly a bit more muscle bound when we first got him. So there's a lot more, lot more of him to carry around because he did have energy level problems. But those seem to have disappeared. You know, I did used to think he was too muscly and that that was inappropriate for a footballer. But then I look at Adame Traore. Oh God, at, yeah, yeah. Like him and it's like crazy. He looks like one of the masters of the universe. There was a phase where I just felt players had started to look too much like waifish supermodels from the nineties. Like they, they introduced these skin tight kits and everyone got skinnier and skinnier and leaner and leaner. And I used to like it in the 80s when I was a kid. Most footballers, particularly goalkeepers, looked like monsters out of a comic. You know, Phil Parts, Steve Gridrich, they were terrifying beasts. And now you look at goalkeepers in particular, people like Kepper at Chelsea, they're just, they're, they're, they're gangly. They look like they're from a bloody Britpop band in the 90s. It's ridiculous. Uh, right, we better wrap it up, guys. Uh, should we do some predictions for the Norwich game, Rashane? I believe West Ham will win, but they'll make it difficult. I mean, Norwich have lost their last eight games and it's written in the stars for something crazy to happen, mm. but yeah. I'm going to touch wood and say a win for West Ham. Okay. Phil. Yeah, I'm worried about it now. There's a lot of pressure on us now after last night's result. And also kind of Norwich have got nothing to lose anymore. I mean, I think they're down and uh, they might sort of play with a bit more freedom. Um, yeah, I think it could be tense. I mean, um, I'm, I'm going to say uh, Norwich 1, West Ham 2. I'm going to say 3-0 West Ham. I Good. think we're just going to turn up and put the whole thing to bed. It's a bit like, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago under Moyes when we had to go to Leicester and get a result and there was a lot of pressure and we ended up just, you know, just winning it quite easily. 
Um, so I fancy Haller to score. Um, and then when he scores, run around with his hands behind his ears, looking really pissed off and muttering something French about how we're all bastards and don't understand football. So that that's my quite specific prediction. Yeah. Yarmolenko, when he scored, he ran around doing that kind of thing as if he had two glove puppets on his you're hands. You're all mouth. I think, that's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's known as the you're all mouth uh, gesture, right, isn't right. it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know who it was aimed at. When in an empty stadium, that's difficult because it's often aimed at the opposition fans, isn't it? Yeah, I felt it was aimed at us, the West Ham fans. But Rashane, Phil, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Phil, um, on loan from Stop Hammer Time for the day. Uh, appreciate that a great deal. To everyone else, thanks for listening. We'll be back after the Norwich game at the weekend. Until then, come on, you irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one Samasia Boo. Mm-hmm.